Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit. And they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. People are not looking for like a kind of chubby 41-year-old stay-at-home mom. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I know what this is and I'm not going to ask and I'm not going to look at her chest. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. It's not easy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about going back to work. When we go back to work after a little time or a long time, you know, there's those are pretty different issues. But Right. There's going back to work after like six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks off, 12 weeks, whatever it might be. And then there's going back like a lot of us do. And I've had this experience of like going back to work after four or five years. Right. One is about logistics and sleep and one is about the gap. One is about not saying the word fax machine, no matter how much you might be tempted to. <laughs> oh, well, I can do an oldie locks alert for you. Back in my day, my first job was as a secretary in a church rectory. And I had to do like a mimeograph where you like you turned the crank and the papers came out with purple ink on them. I mean, yeah, I mean, nobody knows what you're talking about except for me. If I if I go in for a job interview, I shouldn't say anything about purple ink. No, I wouldn't be like, I'm an excellent mimeographer. I'm really slay on the mimeograph. I mean, that's definitely a problem when you go back to uh, work. Like, no, no more fax machines. And you and I both work in media. And so my last job was at a major media company in New York City. And I was at 45 the oldest person on my floor by 10 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like I was so much older than everyone else. It's a lot of 25 year olds working in media, you know, and you're like, okay, granny, like here you go. You're, there's a lot of 25 year olds with like a baby and a two year old who are coming back after three. That's weeks. right. They're, and they're coming back after six weeks and being like, right. where's the pump station? Right. Right. And, and, and one of those people is Greta who suggested this episode topic. So she wrote to us and she said, after taking three and a half years off from work, she moved across the country, started a kid in a preschool and started back to work at the same time. And she's, <laughs> she's in it. Yeah. She's, she's in deep it. in it. So thanks, Greta, for the suggestion because it's it's a good one. There's a lot there's a lot to say here. And I want to say before we start, I want to say that this is not about is is working better than staying at home, right? I mean, we're kind of, I'm kind of uninterested in having that conversation because some people want to have a parent stay at home, some people can't, and there's there's reasons for that which are complicated. Even in 2016. This was an interesting statistic, I thought, that out of people who are fathers, 7% were stay-at-home dads. And out of people who are moms, 28% of them are stay-at-home. So it's still, this is still a more fraught thing because of tradition, because of breastfeeding, because of a lot of things for women to decide if and when and how to re-enter the workforce after, after having a baby. Yeah, it's not easy. But like you said, yeah, I mean... We're not debating it. We're just saying, all right, you're going back to work. Now what? Right, right. Making it work if you have to work. That's what we're going to talk about today. Oh, I think you might have just come up with an episode title. I mean, good job. Making it work if you have to work. All right. So um, I wanted to mention that Anna, one of our listeners who is Canadian, told us all that she had 10 months and 12 months off 
a maternity leave after her babies were born. So yeah, that, that's Canada for you Anna. people. That's not most of us. <laughs> I mean, standard maternity leave here is probably eight to 12 weeks. Yeah, I guess. And, and it's so fluid. I mean, I have a, I have a friend who's a pretty high powered wall street executive and like, you know, like she's in the hospital on the phone nursing her fourth baby and dealing with stuff. Like you, you don't ever leave the office behind. So for some of us, it's, there's no such thing as a, as a true time off, but it's never as long as it should be. I once had a temp job and I worked for a woman. I was her secretary. And at some point someone was like, well, I know she's got the baby coming and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I walked into her office and I was like, something really funny just happened. This person called and they think you're having a baby this week. And she was like, shut the door. <laughs> I am having a baby this week. I'm due on Friday. And she had completely concealed her pregnancy from the entire office. Oh my God. And she stood up. It was like, it was like a movie. Like she was like, oh, I am having a baby. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, I've seen you every single day. And she had just like, literally like, like a sitcom actress, like she was holding file folders and stuff in front of her and no one knew she was pregnant. And she came back two days later Oh my! and gosh. she just, she was in a position where she felt like it would have like really weakened her position at work for people to know she had a baby. And so that's how she did it. Wow. Yeah. It was surprising. <laughs> I don't think that's most file folders. So we probably don't have to dwell oh on that gosh. scenario. Because I don't think that's most people. All right. So let's talk about, I think, the sort of elephant in the room. If you have to go back to work at some point ever and your children are still little, there's guilt Yes, for some of us about returning to work. So, I think for most people. Yeah. I mean, guilt doesn't mean that what you're doing is actually bad, but yes, of yeah. course, because you're torn between two worlds. And I'm sure even if this friend of yours who, you know, held file folders in front of herself and took off 15 minutes, even if she didn't feel any guilt, society would have been glad to offer her some with each passing day. There are plenty of people ready to judge this choice. Oh, absolutely. And realistically, like, you know, for a high-powered woman at work or even a regular woman at work, having a baby is seen as like, oh, they're not serious about their career anymore on some fundamental level. And that's why she wanted to conceal it, which actually kind of makes sense. And like, it is a balance between like people at work now think you're overdevoted to your child. People at home may think like, oh, you're neglecting your kids. You're at work. Yeah. I mean, stinks. It's, it's, it stinks. Right. That's, that's sexism at work in the world. But yeah, it's something we're all dealing with. So when you're the guilt thing, the guilt, so I should I say think, we, we went to we went to our Facebook page. Yes. Which is Facebook.com slash what fresh hellcast. And we asked you, our listeners, to tell us, those of you who work, who are going back to work, who are dealing with that transition, to tell us about the good parts and the hard parts. And uh, as usual, we got really, really good responses. All right. What do we got, Amy? Okay, so Tasha. Tasha says that she knew she wanted to go back to work, but she struggled with feeling that she should stay home. And Jessica said, same thing. I'm trying to work on the mom guilt for going to work and commuting rather than being home with the kids, despite knowing that work is a better fit for me than staying home. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to want to work. And there are a lot of women who are like, this just doesn't, this just doesn't do it for me. Being home with the kids all the time indefinitely is not what I want. Or, or like maybe you went to law school. Like I, there are, there are reasons that you've, you've dedicated your education at, at huge expense and years of your life to a job that you're good at. It's okay to want to return to that or want to return to something. Well, and I have a ton of friends and I consider myself in this category, really. I got married later. I had kids later. And it's like, you're just kind of hitting the stride of the career you've put a ton of work into. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, now babies, how does this all work together? It's very, it's tough. I it was funny when you were talking before about the sitcom actress, because that was the sort of, that was the life I was living. And I had always sort of told myself that by the time I got to my early thirties, that I either was going to be like Julia Louis-Dreyfus on a hit show, or I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. And then the, and the choice would be clear, right? To that, it, would I, would I prioritize my career or having kids? And of course that's, Never the case. We all live in the gray area, right? There's like 1% of people are lucky enough to live where a choice is very clear that they should or shouldn't work. For me, it was like, oh, you're kind of doing something. You're kind of getting somewhere. And that was specifically what I had to 
navigate and step away from. And whatever mountain you're climbing, having a baby does not make that mountain climb any easier. You know, I mean, it's not like, it's not like, oh, well, sitcom actors wasn't competitive enough of a field. I'll now be a sitcom actress with a baby. Like, it just makes it harder. Right, exactly. And and I do think, so Anna says, she says, I'm a better mom if I'm not actively parenting 24-7, which I feel you, Anna. And she says that dads don't have to justify that to anybody, but moms do to the world and to ourselves. Well, and this is something that you see a lot. Like we just had this Congress come in with a lot of female candidates on both sides. And people kept pointing out that like the question for the women is like, well, how do you balance having kids and having this career? And that is like people are saying to Barack Obama, who had young kids when he was president of the States, like, how are you going to balance it? Like, oh, I guess Michelle's going to take care of that. Like the idea of balancing it falls solely on the female. I thought this was a really interesting input from Mickey. Mickey is in the military, and she said that she not only had to put her son in daycare pretty young because she's in the military, she's active, but she was not in the same city as her husband at the time. And so that isolation compounded her guilt and made it even more difficult. Yeah, I mean, oh, it is. It's tough, and it is hard. The the thing is, I think, mentally— the idea is like, I'm supposed to do both things equally. And that is just the path to crazy. Like you're not going to do everything equally all the time. And I think it's one of those things that when you take the like grown up test, which I like to repeat, when you look at a grown up and you're like, which of these two people was on a pacifier until they were five, you're not going to know the answer to that question (laughs) when you're talking to two 40-year-old people. Like, the minutia of this doesn't really matter. And though mom guilt and, you know, working and having your kids in daycare and all this stuff is maybe a little more profound than that, I still think it still doesn't pass this test. Like, find me two 40-year-olds and I'll try to figure out which one was in daycare and which one wasn't. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. Right. I still don't think you're going to be able to tell. I think what I'm saying is the kids are all right. Like, obviously, you want to find great childcare. You want to find somewhere you feel comfortable with. You want to find, I liked somebody said, who was it, Amy, that was like, they make, um, oh, Tasha, I think, that they made baby food. So like they're oh, yes. they they pre-made baby food. So the idea is like they made baby food and their baby was eating it all the all the day long while they were working. Like, You know, but the realities are the realities. And if you spend your time hung up on like, I am just eating myself alive about not being in the right place. The thing is, you've got to just pick a door and then make that the right door. Yeah. And if you can, if you find that working full time is just not working for you or your family, you may be able to adjust your working schedule, but just torturing yourself about your choices all day long seems like a really bad choice to me. So let's talk about some of the things that people did to make this transition easier. And we're talking about like the the early transition. We're talking about moms who took off the 12 weeks of maternity leave and then had to go back. Right. So they they gave us some good advice for moms who are dealing with that on how to make it easier. It's all about easing back in, it seemed to me. Like we had a lot of responses that were about, here's how you do it. Like Jennifer, I'm gonna say Jennifer H. There are a bunch of Jennifers that responded this week. She said her first day back, her husband took a day out of work and he stayed home with the baby. So her first day at work, she could just deal with like, I'm back at work and not I'm back at work and the baby's at her first day at daycare. And I'm like, this is this is too much change all at once. It's too much stress. I thought that was a, a good idea. That's a idea. great idea. The other idea I heard, which made a lot of sense to me, and I don't remember who it was, but someone talking about starting work back on a Wednesday. Yes. How, like, what a smart idea. Yes. We heard that from a couple different people. Melissa. Melissa. Melissa good job. Go back on a Wednesday, not on a Monday. You miss all the Monday chaos in your meetings and you can ease in on a slow day. And you've only got three days to go. Like you're going to see your kid again (laughs) on Saturday as opposed to five days away. It's really smart. Simple. Carol said, this was this was a, sort of an obvious one, but it hadn't occurred to me that that the daycare where she was going to leave her baby, they let her come with 
the child for a few days before she started work. Just come in for an hour or two and just be with your baby in the space. Let let them get to know your baby. You get to see where the baby's going to be and you you can feel a little more comfortable about it than just sort of cold drop them off. It's not like putting them on the bus to sleep away camp like I hope hope this works out. You can you can ease in. And nowadays, like even when I had my kids, which was 10 years ago, I, they were at a home daycare around the corner for me and I kind of dropped them off. And that was, I mean, they were literally around the corner. Like I could walk over there and see them and I worked from home. So it was pretty close, but nowadays it's like with the phones and everything, you can pick pictures of your kids all day long and see what they're up to. I mean, people do this with their dogs at the kennel. Like I was on vacation and like everyone's showing me like what their dog's up to while we're on vacation. And (laughs) it, 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 you really can have a pretty interactive experience with seeing what your kid is up to. You could just have like a live, you could just FaceTime all day long. Exactly. With your sleeping baby. Yeah. Mandy had a good, a good tip. She said after 12 weeks of maternity leave, she had to figure out her morning routine. So she scheduled some like fake appointments. Like I have to be at Starbucks by 830 or I have to be at the grocery store by 830 and practiced sort of being somewhere by 830 because of course it was a failure the first couple of times and then she learned how much time she needed to do things. And so she was ready for the first day. She really needed to be somewhere. That is a fantastic idea. And that is the kind of thing that like getting my child to daycare was a tremendous amount of work (laughs) that I was not prepared for. Like you still have to bring, I mean, I guess it depends on the daycare, but I had to still bring like diapers, wipes, they fed them. So I didn't have to bring food, but some places you have to bring food too. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. And if you're, if you're pumping then like the, the frozen milk and the thing and the, this and the sleeves and the bottle and the nipple and the, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's really a lot. Wasn't it you who said in an episode of your, of this podcast that you had a car seat? Oh no, no, this was a, this was a tip from a listener that I loved. You put everything that you need the night before to leave in the baby's car seat. Yes like by the front door, everything goes in there. And then, you know, you take it all out and you have it all. And then the baby goes in because baby can't go in until you take out everything you need, which gives, means you must engage with the car keys and the phone and the charger. And, and uh, it's all ready. All right. We need to take a break and we are going all to right. come back with so much more to say about this topic. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. 
This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H-H-I-A-Health.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, we're back. Amy, so much about working. I will tell you, when I returned to work, my kids were not like little babies like this. I was working from home. It was a lot easier when I had little ones. But when I went back to work, work, like commuting from the suburbs to the city work, the great joy of my life was having 45 minutes on the train both ways. Like I've never been more organized. Every backpack full of school forms that would come in, I would throw in my work bag just as they came in. And I, I, all the camp forms, all my forms were done. I loved having the downtime of a commute to get stuff done. Because it was a sort of third space. It was neither work nor home and third you were by yourself. space. Exactly. It was amazing. It does sound kind of amazing. I mean, I was pretty much home with the kids until they went to school. So I didn't really have that half hour a day on the train. I did carve out, like as soon as I could, I would carve out a couple of hours to go write. I mean, I, I managed to write a book when my kids were six and four and one, and I did it by carving out time and demanding it and leaving the house. That's the only, that's the only way to get it done. Yeah. So let's talk more challenges. All right. More challenges. Breastfeeding is a big challenge. Oh, let's, let's, let's talk about that because I, I mean, I really admire the moms who go back to work and do the pumping because that just, that just was not for me, the pumping. And I was home with them most of the time, so I hardly ever had to do it, but it is so, it, it adds such a layer of challenge. My, my sister traveled with, and you know, the breast pump is in that giant like black purse, yeah. vinyl bag that's sort of like FBI 1965. It looks like you're going <laughs> right. to record somebody in a reel-to-reel. I don't know what it looks like. So imagine her going through TSA with that. And of course she gets pulled aside for secondary screening. And they're like, what is this ma'am? And she said, it's a breast pump. And like the guy's like hand drew back, like it was, you know, he had been electrocuted or something. He's like, yikes. They don't want to know. So I think probably the TSA guys have gotten better over time about, I know what this is and I'm not going to ask and I'm not going to look at her chest. And (laughs) And I just want this experience to be over. Keep moving. We heard from people who did both. We heard from Gina. Gina said she traveled she worked full time. She managed to exclusively breastfeed two kids each for a year by pumping while on the road. I mean, Gina, hats off to you. Yeah. I didn't manage. I was home with my kids and I didn't manage to exclusively breastfeed for a year. And then Indira said that the the hardest part of going back to work was trying to keep breastfeeding going and pumping between meetings and pumping on the road. And it took a huge toll on her. And the solution was to stop doing it that she wasn't a superwoman and her, she said it was okay to approach my new professional mom life a bit differently than when I could be at home all the time. I love this advice and I feel like it's not given enough. I feel like the advice is always like, you can do it. And I like the advice, maybe you can't do it. Like, and that's okay. It's, I feel like all the messaging around all of this stuff is always like, girl power. Look what women can do. It's fine to be like, you can't do all of these things. Something's got to give. And whatever that thing is, is totally fine. Right. Because there is don't get hung up on the thing of like, I try, you know, like Gina is amazing and great. And she made it work, but like, I'm no Gina. I might have to be like, uh, oh no, something's got to give. Mickey talks about working again. She's in the military. So she's in a very male dominated environment. She says it's like, 100 to 2, the ratio. And she was trying to keep the pumping going while at work. And she had to put up with what she calls talking crap about women and mothers who have to take time out of work to have a baby and pump milk. That that was something she had to put up with at work, which is, I think, probably illegal, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen every day all over all over the place. So there are, I would say that's definitely something that I would put aside with not very much guilt and your your baby's being fed and it's going to be fine. And it is a very strange dynamic that I also think people don't talk a ton about, which is it introduces something that is like pretty personal. It's literally like a private area of your body. And it becomes kind of something that 
I mean, not that you're sitting in conference meetings being like, hey, I need to pump, but you do at some point have to have that conversation with someone at your work, probably like your boss, your human resources. I had a male writing partner at the time when I had my little kids and I was like, basically the first day we came back to work, which was probably six or eight weeks after I had my first baby, I was like, we need to talk about the breastfeeding thing. Like, how comfortable are you with me breastfeeding in the room? Like, you know, you have to have these kind of like weirdly intimate conversations. And I imagine in like a very male dominated space. I mean, nowadays there's lots of offices where it's like, this is our pumping room and there's a couch and it's all set up. And, but there's a lot of spaces where it's still not like that. And you end up in the position to sit down and have those conversations and it's challenging and difficult. Jennifer says that she had a space that she she was lucky enough to work at a place where there were lots of new moms. They had a place to pump at work and there had to be a sign-up sheet for times because it was so popular. But again, she says like I I'm I'm lucky and you're not a you're not a bad person if you're at a job that's not breastfeeding friendly and you have to make different choices. That's unfortunate, but it's not your fault. Yeah, absolutely. And like you have to and one other thing to do really is like figure out what the laws in your state are regarding this kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it's good to be like informed to like take some time during your maternity break while you're breastfeeding to sit and figure out like, you know, what is supposed to be happening at your workplace so that you can go in and have a really informed conversation and be like, Hey, by the way, I need a dedicated space for this. And you know, and you know what, there, there are some people who are comfortable you know, being Norma Ray about such things, that's an oldie looks alert, isn't it? Back in my day. Oh my God. That is, I mean, you are bringing it with Norma Ray and the mimeograph. Like, this is just got to go back in time. I don't think, I've never seen Norma Ray, but I can see Sally Field like standing up. You know, it's it's basically, it's like brave woman unionizing her factory or something. I mean, there are some of us that have the job security or the personality where where we could return to work and be like, this is how it's going to be. There's a pumping room. There's this. And there are those of us that have to keep our our heads down and go along to get along. And for sure. And like you're, you're, you're where you are is where you are, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I tend to run very normal, Ray. There's another unpleasant reality that I think is not that big a deal, but it is part of going back to work. Greta says that your typical kid might get sick nonstop after finally entering the world of other kids and snot sharing. This is happening for my nephew right now. He, he was at home with my mother-in-law for a long time and now he's, He's in like a little, you know, daycare preschooly kind of thing. And he got like three colds in three months because he had been in a very limited environment and then went right to lots of kids. But so what? You know, right? They're also like, so he's getting all his colds and then he's going to get to kindergarten. He'll never get a cold because he got them all. And they and he's with other children for a large well, part of the Well, and the day. big so what with that is also like, you have to figure out in advance. And my husband and I had this conversation, although for us, it wasn't a super complicated conversation because he is really more the primary breadwinner and I pretty much worked at home and had a flexible schedule. But like, who is going to stay home when someone's sick? You know, when the kid's too sick to go to daycare, that's the problem. Like, yeah, you know, they're sick and they're sick. And when they're too sick, you know, I have my son's home sick today. So he's just like, I'm like, watch TV. Don't bother us while we're recording, you know, and we can always just turn it off and restart it. Like, you know, thank God we have a job where like you can accommodate stuff like that. But I, when I was working, you know, it, anything that went wrong with the kids was my responsibility to cover. And that's another problem for women at work, which is like, oh, hey, I have to miss the big meeting because my son has his cult. Yeah. We're definitely identifying a lot of problems. <laughs> I don't know that we're coming up with some good solutions. I don't have a solution. Let, well, let's, you know, let's all march on Congress. But, uh, but yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. One thing that a lot of people talked about, and this is something that I was able to do after kind of a lot of negotiation, I was able to work out a job share when I returned to work in the city. And it is not possible in every situation. And in a lot of situations, it's complicated and fraught, but it was the greatest solution for me. I worked 20 hours a week and I shared my job with someone else who worked 20 hours a week. Did you like the person you're like, did you see eye to eye with the person you were sharing the job with? Was it really 50-50? I put the job share together. So yes. I mean, I chose the person because it was an ideal situation to job share. 
Yeah. I mean, I do know women who are in this situation and it can very, it can be a slippery slope into do a full-time job in 20 hours a week, right? And then and a job share becomes two full-time employees. I have a friend who's a lawyer and her normal work was 60 hours a week for which she was extremely well compensated, you know, 60 hours a week. And then after having kids, she's extremely competent and good at her job. And she was on the like super partnership, you know, A plus gold star track. And after she had kids, she decided to go part time and she was working like 42 hours a week for half the salary. And she was completely off of the track that she wanted to be on. And so that often happens too. like the idea of like, oh, you'll go half time or part time. And first of all, you just become kind of invisible to anyone doing like promotions or looking to people for advancement because they're like, oh, she's not really serious. She's just part time. And also you often end up, like you said, like doing all the work for half the salary. It's no good. We're coming up with problems here, though. Like, like something you know, we got to solve some things. I do think some guys. of this stuff is changing, and I do think it's changing just because of the volume of women who are in the workforce now. Like, it used to be kind of like you, your your only job was like act completely like a man or don't have a job, and it is changing. These things are changing, but the problems are still they're still there. Let's talk about some of the people who are doing this successfully because they are out there who are figuring out sort of creative work schedules. Jessica says that she asked her boss to adjust her schedule so that she could work from home a couple of days to help with the commute time. And she says when she does commute, she uses the time to catch up on emails or read and have a good little me time. My weird takeaway from working is like, don't fear the commute. Yeah. The commute was the the 40, if I didn't have, I had those 45 minutes in the morning and sometimes in the morning I was tired and I would just get out and like read my novel and be happy. But almost always on the way home, I would either finish up work. Sometimes I would even have a conference call that I could like be on from the train. Like there were lots of ways to use that hour really creatively. And then I could come home and I did never had the thing of like, oh, I need to figure out these camp forms and it's seven o'clock at night and I'm looking up. I, I, I made all my appointments. Everything was always done. I loved having a commute. Jennifer W. had a good strategy too, I thought. She says that with her first child, she went back after nine weeks, but she had saved up enough time off that for the, the first couple of months, she worked four days a week and used one of her vacation days as the fifth day. Yeah. And so then she'd had have a middle of... a. a day off in the middle of the day to be with her child or to take take a nap. What's that? Or, you know, do do the 100,000 things that she needed to do. She she was doing four days a week instead of five. It does seem to me, and we, and we had a lot of people talk about, I worked two days a week for the first month. You don't necessarily have to hit the ground at a full sprint and start running. You can do two days a week for the first month, then three days. You can sort of work this so that the re-entry is gradual enough that it won't kill you by happening all at once. I have something else to say about the Sammy, and I'm going to say it right after this. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.
And now, is it time for you to return to work? You can add these newly found mom skills to your resume. Media company. I am an expert on all the social media trends and usages among select demographics. Translation, my kid literally talks about nothing but Snapchat all day, every day. High pressure office environment. I am a hardworking multitasker. Translation, I have often filled out camp forms while peeing and simultaneously helping a kid with fractions through the bathroom door. Retail sales. I understand the modern woman's needs and have a great sense of how to create versatile looks for any occasion. Translation. Look, I created a monkey ballerina costume for the school play in 36 minutes once. I can help you find something that looks good on your pear shape, okay? Marketing firm. I have an excellent track record of winning over skeptical clientele. Translation. I've convinced three kids under 10 to try mushroom lasagna. What do you want, soul people? I got this. Entertainment company. I have winning insights into a vast array of children's programming and how this media could thrive under my expert guidance. Translation. Seriously, I know I could come up with something better than dino trucks. Human resources. I am a communicator. I love solving problems between people, and I'm an excellent advocator skilled in mediating complex disputes. Translation, the fact that my three kids haven't killed each other yet is factually a miracle. Bring on your fighting middle managers, dude. I think I can handle it. This has been Skills You Can Add to Your Return to Work Resume from the Wet Fresh Out Podcast. So I understand that not everybody is in a position where their work is ever going to be flexible. If you're in the military, this does not apply to you. If you're in a lot of jobs, this doesn't apply to you. But one thing I will say is I think it's a great idea to approach your employer with a plan. So rather than waiting for your employer to just say like, okay, we give you 12 weeks off and then come back full time and that's the deal and that's how it goes. It's okay, depending on where you work. Again, not the military. I got approached for a job at a media company that I had worked at for a long time as a freelancer and they wanted me to come in and work. And I said, I will do it if I can work from home. And they said, it doesn't make any sense. You can't work from home. You're managing too many people. There's too many meetings. We can't. And basically, like, once we allow one person to work at home, everyone wants to work at home and we don't want to be a virtual company. And so, no, you can't work at home. So then I went and I thought about it and I thought, well, what don't I want to do? And I thought, well, what I don't want to do is commute and work 40 hours a week because then I'm, I'm working 50 hours a week, basically. And so I went and packaged a job share. I found someone else who was at my level career-wise and work-wise. And I put a whole pitch together that was like, okay, you want me and I don't want to work 40 hours a week. So here's my solution to that problem. I have this other person. They'll work the other 20 hours. And I packaged it all. They would have never approached me with that deal. And so it's something to at least keep an open mind about. It's a good idea. Is there a way to go to your boss and say, hey, I've worked for this company a long time. I'm now having a kid. I Here's what I don't want to do. Here's what I'm willing to do. How can we work this out together in a way that's mutually beneficial? There's lots and lots of times this is not going to work. Right. But think about it if it might work for you because it worked out great for me. We have a couple of people who who sort of returning to work after having kids made them realize that while they wanted to work and while working was an important part of their identity, their previous job wasn't going to cut it anymore because there was no possibility of doing sort of what you, exactly what you're saying, right? We Absolutely. Have a, Jenny, Jenny says, when my first was six months old, I rage quit working at a nursing home. Turns out no sleep and three crappy coworkers are a bad mix. And then she stayed at home for five and a half years, missed working, saw a store down the street, was hiring, walked in, they hired her on the spot, and now she works at a store in her neighborhood and loves it and loves loves the income, loves the connection with with the people in the real world and, and found a job that worked for her, but her old job wasn't going to be it anymore. Yeah, and there are 
so many situations like this where I have so many friends who worked in, I mean, I have a lot of friends who worked in entertainment and then who were tangential to entertainment, like marketing, model booker. And the reality too is that 35 or, you know, 30, whenever you start having kids, you're almost aging out of some of those industries anyway. Like that was, I was a television writer and I was 35 and not like, you know, so successful that it was like, I was Shonda Rhimes and people were like, okay, whatever you do, we want. I was still hustling. And then when I came back at 40, after having three kids, it was like tumbleweeds. Like there was nowhere left for me in that industry. Basically, I wasn't going to go back and hustle those kind of jobs again as a not super successful television writer. Like people are not looking for like a kind of chubby 41 year old stay at home mom to write their next big thing. Like, so I had to think, okay, what's next? What's the, what's after this? Because yeah. it wasn't going to be that anymore. That's, I mean, that sucks and is sexist and it shouldn't matter what, what, whether a writer is female or male or what she looks like or how old she is, but welcome to Hollywood. And I have the same, you know, I have the same sort of experience from the, in front of the camera thing. It's just, it just was going to go away. So that's a whole other topic, right? What what happens when you've taken time off to have kids and then your job or your ability to do the job or or your job doesn't exist anymore, right? Like, I don't know. You're right. A, Patty you're, says, right? Like right. a lot of the industries, music magazines disappeared while friends were home with their kids. Like that's kind of it too. Like a lot of people worked, you know, I had a, friend, a lot of friends who were magazine writers and then they had kids and they went back and they're like, what's a magazine? Like that just jobs that don't exist. And I do think Having kids can be a great time to reinvent yourself. Right. So you see yourself, I liked what Patty said, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read what she said. She says, see yourself not as a specific role, but as, as someone with skills to take anywhere. Before kids, I was a publicist. Now I'm a realtor, where being an older woman with more life experience is valued. Find work that fits your life stage. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of those like really easier said than done things. But I do think having in the entertainment end of things, that experience of like, people are not looking to hire 50 year old publicists unless they're, I mean, it's a giant overarching statement that may not be totally true, but you do have to find work that makes sense for the age you are and where you are in your life. And realtor is a very smart transition from publicist because like you're good at talking to people, you're good at selling things, you're good at selling ideas, but it just fits more with the lifestyle. You know, and it also, it occurs to me that we're talking about these are big decisions and these are hard things and you can try something and then try something else. We have somebody, Ashley, says she really missed working. She had twins who were 18 months old and she wanted to start doing something. So she started teaching English online, was so happy to be working, dove in head first, completely overwhelmed, lasted five months trying to do this full time, then told them I need to take a break and she's going to, and she's, she's doing a job where that's possible. So she was like, okay, I learned something. I learned that this isn't exactly the right, the right rhythm, but I'm going to find it. And she learned that by trying something. So it seems to me, don't let the, as in all things, don't let the fear that this thing you're trying isn't going to be the perfect solution paralyze you so that you don't try it, try it. And then you'll learn from it and it'll work or it won't, or it's too much or it's too little. And then you do something else. I think you have to tr be brave in this situation that you can you can create the the work life that you want to have. And for sure, you know, my mom was a working person in the 60s, which was very like she was mad men. You know, she was like in an office and people were like chasing her around the desk and stuff like a very she worked in D.C. and was a congressional aide and worked at the Peace Corps and did a lot of high profile jobs as like a woman at the time, which was something else. And then she always imagined like, oh, now I have kids. I have to stop working. And she did and was home for probably 10 years. And then she went back to school and got a social work degree and had a completely separate second career as like a family therapist and counselor and stuff. And so I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. Like it can be a time of total reinvention. It can be a time of resetting. It can be a time of just plowing through and going back to work with another hard aspect, but there's, it's good to keep an open mind to all the different ways there are to doing it. 
So nobody says it's going to be easy because it's not going to be easy, but there are opportunities and you're going to learn stuff as you go and try to just be open to that, I guess, because your mom found her way. And there may be people out there who have worked and then get married and want to stay home with their kids and stay home with their kids and then volunteer and get very involved in the schools and stay active in their communities and have that lifestyle where they never work again. But it seems to me that that's a fairly small percentage of people. And it is a good idea to keep some eye on what you want your working life to look like going forward. Because I do have friends who've taken that 10 and 15 years off and it is really hard to re-enter the workforce when you your skills are very very rusty you know like 15 years ago when I went to college I did not have a personal computer I had a typewriter when I went to college oldie locks alert back in my day but you know the the technology changes very fast and if you don't even when I was in media I found myself at 45 being like, could you explain Snapchat to old granny over here? Like I was quite out of date with like what was going on in media in some ways. And so I do really see the value of staying invested and involved in some sort of work so that you stay kind of attached. So you you aren't just like in the land of tumbleweeds. Jennifer is a pharmacist and she says like she went to school so long for her degree and healthcare changes. That's another very rapidly innovating right. industry that she has no choice but to keep her foot in the door if she's going to continue working as a pharmacist ever. She's got, she can't take a lot of time off. Yes, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make in a field that I don't even understand at all. But that taking real time off where you just are like completely shut that door what goes on behind that door is moving pretty rapidly. And if, you know, it it can be harder than you think. I think sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to get off this freeway exit ramp for a little while and then I'll just get back on later. It's a little harder to find that entrance ramp than you think it's going to be. But it is easy. Like Patty, Patty gives some really good advice that keep innovating, keep up with your old contacts, keep up with what's happening in your industry, keep up with the news and the business, because she says the fear that you're out of the loop can be paralyzing. And it's also a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, so do what you can to stay current. I was home with my kids and I was reading The Hollywood Reporter. (laughs) Like, oh, I know her. Oh, I know her. And uh, yeah, I knew it was happening. That's for sure. Another example of stuff is I feel like people get down on people doing volunteer work, which is like, oh, you know, suburban ladies and their volunteer work. But I started something as a volunteer opportunity. I teach basically. And it has slowly evolved into something that has a lot of like prospects as a job for me. And so staying involved in anything can be really helpful. Like I know someone here who's like, they volunteered the tennis center and now suddenly like, oh, they're kind of running the place and now they're an employee and just stay involved in stuff. And then you have kind of lifelines out if you need them. Right. And remove from the backpack of guilt you're carrying around judgments about, is this work really worth it? Right. Am I earning enough? Is it worth the time away? If you're finding something that gives you joy and purpose and meaning and an income and maybe healthcare, then, then go for it. I think the backpack of guilt is the number one takeaway from this episode, which is just like that sensation of like, I'm not right anywhere is a terrible way to live. And John Lennon says it best. Life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. Like, don't spend years in that guilt of like, I wish I could be more here. I wish I could be more there. Like, you are where you are. Get through the day. If there's something that's really not working for you, figure out how to change it. But otherwise, like, this is your life. It's not like, oh, when I'm not working so much, like, this is what you're actually doing. And so enjoy your work when you can or get through it if it's just about a paycheck. And then enjoy your kids when they're with them. They're fine. Can I give a little uh, pep talk from Rachel, who is like in in it right now? She says she went back to work after 12 weeks. It was tough. But now that it's been another 12 weeks, I can say this gets easier. You get in a routine and my baby is honestly doing great at daycare. Rachel, you said it all. Good job, Rachel. All right. We want to hear how you are balancing your work life and your home life. There's a bunch of places you can tell us. You can go to facebook.com forward slash what fresh hell cast. 
You can also come to our Facebook community and talk about it, which is facebook.com slash group slash What Fresh Hell Cast. Oh my gosh. Just find us on Facebook. Just search What Fresh Hell Podcast and it'll all We're there. We're all there. over that Facebook. We're on Instagram at What Fresh Hell Cast. We're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And as always, you can find us on our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. And guys, with that, that's working and that's it for this week. We will talk to you next time. So long. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.